Welcome back to the 10 Blocks Podcast. This is your host, Brian Anderson, editor of City Journal. Joining me on the show today is Andy No. Andy is an editor at Quillette, where he writes about free expression, the culture wars, and much, much more. He's written for City Journal 2 and the Wall Street Journal. Andy is a resident of Portland, where he's a graduate student at Portland State. He's been on the ground to witness growing protests in the city over the last few weeks. Left-wing activists, generally ranging themselves under the heading Antifa, have unleashed uh, chaos on a couple of occasions in the city. During one recent protest, viral videos captured black-clad Antifa protesters in the downtown area directing traffic and harassing drivers, all while officers in the city's police department look the other way. Then this past weekend, right-wing groups opposed to Antifa arrived in the city, resulting in a street brawl between the two groups, with no life-threatening injuries, thankfully. Urban unrest is nothing new to City Journal, of course, and we should mention that New York also saw its own outbreak of disturbing political violence over this past weekend. But to find out more about what's going on in Portland, we'll talk to Andy after this. Hello again, everyone. This is Brian Anderson, the editor of City Journal. On the line, we have Andy No. Andy is an editor at Quillette and a resident of Portland, Oregon. Andy, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure to be with you. To everyone outside the Northwest, cities like Portland and Seattle appear to have an active and increasingly violent left-wing street movement. Can you talk a little bit about your city and maybe introduce yourself to our listeners. How long have you lived there? And what sets Portland apart, uh, or what, what sets the political culture of Portland apart from some other cities? You know, I have to refer to some of the amazing work that your colleague, Helen MacDonald, has done on the victim ideology. I say that Portland is a city where victimhood ideology is mainstreamed and is normalized and it flows through um, the ethos and hearts and minds of its, the denizens here. So uh, I've lived in Portland most of my life and it's a progressive bubble. There, there are several factors that kind of make it a perfect storm for these um, radical street far left violence and then the clashes that they have with uh, the hard right groups and so on one element you have uh the political which is that it's a, a really progressive bubble in the state of oregon i, I assume the, the city council city. is dominated by by leftists yes i would say that's a fair characterization and then so there's uh, one factor there. And then the other dimension to it is demography as well, which people uh, I don't hear people talk about as much. So Portland is a majority white city. And I think um, I've heard it dubbed as one of America's whitest cities for the size that it is. So with these two factors together, it creates there's this element of extreme white guilt, I would say, I've witnessed it a lot. And it makes the city vulnerable to 
um, radical leftist movements that try to exploit white guilt for their own political gain. And, and I think that's my analysis for why we've seen the leadership of the city kind of take a hands-off approach when it comes to political violence from the far left, because there's probably certain perhaps sympathies as well as a, a critical mass of constituents who are supportive of these groups. Now, for people outside of Portland reading about these these outbreaks on Drudge or, or somewhere else, uh, it's, it's a little difficult perhaps to, for them to understand what's going on. Perhaps you could give a, a brief timeline of the most recent protests and what, what has set them off. I think there was a police shooting uh, behind one of, one of the protests, correct? Yes. Yeah, so the viral video um, footage from Portland where you see people dressed in black uh, confronting drivers and then one going as far, a group of them going as far as beating a man, an elderly man's car with weapons and pushing him when he got out. That viral footage was recorded uh, just about a, a week and a half ago. And that stemmed from a response to a police-involved shooting and killing of a young black man, one with a very extensive criminal record. Um, past, and he is suspected of shooting and injuring two people before the police responded to the incident. So that video footage that a lot of people have seen and has been covered in uh, particularly conservative media was a protest slash rally that was organized by a Black Lives Matter type of group locally. And then they also work, they have a lot of allies who are part of Antifa. And so whenever these far left groups organize events, Antifa comes up to, in their own words, they say that they act as defenders in case white supremacists or whatever attack them. I think these are unfounded concerns, but that's the reason for why they show up with a sort of a militia-like element in addition to just a regular uh, political protest. And what about this this um, brawl, this street brawl that had had occurred more recently? Yeah, so there's been a lot of focus on brawls that have happened, particularly in the past year. It, the timeline, you have to go back a little bit further, not too far back, just really things reached a, a new low, I would say, after the election of Donald Trump. We had three days of mass protests in the city. And then on the third day, it became a riot. That was when people really got to see how radical Antifa's movement was because these people wearing masks dressed in black and organized went in certain business districts in downtown and were destroying businesses, breaking windows, smashing up um, property, setting fires on the street. I've lived here most of my life, and so seeing that with my own eyes at the time, it felt like I was in a war zone. I couldn't believe that I was in a city in the Pacific Northwest in America. And so ever since then, every couple of months, every few months, these 
groups, these uh, so-called social justice groups or organized protests and for the cause of the day. So most recently it had to do with the shooting of uh, Patrick Kimmons, but it can be any number of issues that the the far left ha have um, taken on. And so this past weekend, there was unfortunately another street brawl with more violence and I got caught up in that. I went there to document it. I got pepper sprayed. So there was a last minute march slash rally that was organized by a right wing group named Patriot Prayer. Now this is this small group is headed by a man named Joey Gibson and he's become uh, pretty infamous person uh, locally in Portland because he's one of the few people willing to organize pro-Trump rallies in downtown Portland and patriotic events. And so he was doing an event where a rally, a protest where he was, they were protesting the inaction of the mayor and then Antifa came to confront them and then there was a brawl. I see, but nobody was seriously hurt in this. Oh, people were seriously hurt. I saw uh, people's face uh, faces were bashed onto the ground, and um, if you, if people are aware of some of the things that Antifa does, they they will bring weapons, particularly more like melee type weapons. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, they bring pepper spray, mace, bear spray, all that. So, they Antifa comes looking for a fight, and I would say the Patriot Prayer group, the hard right group, they go, they defend themselves, and they defend themselves to win. So they're quite brutal when they respond as well. This is kind of madness in a prosperous, successful city like Portland. Um, madness anywhere. What what has been the response by local government officials, the mayor, police, city council? to these, uh, these incidents? The mayor faced a lot of criticism after the footage that I helped publicize went viral. And he held a presser several days ago saying that he was appalled at the treatment of the elderly man whose car was attacked, but that he supported the decision for the police to not intervene. So he was trying to play both sides, but they're, I believe they're contradictory positions to have it simultaneously. And the mayor just yesterday circulated, his office circulated a draft proposal to try to, to restrict, suggest, proposing that in the future, certain groups would be restricted uh, where and when they can protest. Uh, I don't think that would be uh, hold up to scrutiny in a court of law. But the mayor's response, just with his own history, typically Mayor Ted Wheeler, a Democratic mayor, is that instead of stopping the violence, his response tends to be trying to limit more speech. So for example, last year, Patriot Prayer was had planned to organize an event that was very heavily publicized because it it came on the heels by coincidence with the shooting, excuse me, um, a stabbing attack that killed two people. It was, they were not related to Patriot Prayer a lot, but this particular person had gone to a Patriot Prayer event before. And so the mayor, uh, because the Patriot Prayer had a permit to 
to hold this rally on federal property in downtown Portland. The mayor was calling for the federal government to revoke Patriot Prayer's uh, uh, permit. And even he was rebuked by ACLU of Oregon, which is certainly no fan or friend of Patriot Prayer. But that couples with his the draft proposal that was released yesterday, it seems like his response is to limit speech rather than to limit violence. Empower the police to, uh, you know, ensure order and the peaceful right to protest. The last question, Andy, uh, what what are you working on now? I, I believe you have a, a podcast. I'd like to hear a bit about that and, uh, and what it's called. So my, my writing and journalism focuses on two tracks. I write a lot about what I see are the excesses of social justice. And being in Portland, I would say I am at the epicenter and I get to see this firsthand. So that's what I've discussed with you today. My other track of work is about writing on issues related to political Islam and immigration and integration. And so this past summer, I spent many weeks traveling across Europe, visiting um, what areas that are high crime, so uh, vulnerable areas, and sometimes the media will dub them uh, no-go zones, uh, although I would say that's a misnomer. But that's my other area of interest. Is, uh, As in, in the, the banlieue of, of uh, outside Paris, that kind of... That is one example, and I did spend time in, in France. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if you follow me on my social media, you'll see that I, I tackle these two topics kind of, uh, and they don't always intersect, but sometimes they, they kind of do. I also run a podcast called Things You Should Know. It's a play on my surname, No, NGO. And on that, I do long form interviews with people that are in the so-called IDW, Intellectual Dark Web, or tangential to it. And so I interview academics, intellectuals, writers, and the topics we talk about are ones that most people are are polarized on it, on one view or another. So, and I try to dive into it in a way that's non-polemical, where the conversation can keep going in a uninterrupted way. So topics we cover, it's related to um, hate speech versus free speech, political Islam, uh, the alt-right, white nationalism, all these very contentious topics. And so I've launched now five episodes. Uh, I would welcome the listeners to, to please check that out. And, and where is the, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Andy, where is the podcast available? Is it on iTunes or? Currently it's available on YouTube. If you just Search my name, Andy Ngo. You'll see it come up in the top hits. Great. Don't forget to check out Andy Ngo's work at Quillette and uh, his podcast. And you can also follow him on Twitter at Mr. Andy Ngo, and that's N-G-O. Uh, we'd also love to hear your comments about today's episode on Twitter at City Journal. Lastly, if you like our show and want to hear more, please leave ratings and reviews on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and thanks, Andy, again for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us for the weekly 10 Blocks podcast featuring urban policy and cultural commentary with City Journal editors, contributors, and special guests.